Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Staying in Love. And staying in love is something we don't always talk about because usually people are more concerned with falling in love, which, I don't know, I've never loved that phrase, falling in love, because I can't think of a lot of other times we fall that we talk about it like it's the greatest thing that ever happened to us. I mean, fall, I, I fell, I fell on the ice, I fell out of bed. Uh, one time when uh, James was still really little, I was, I think it was lunchtime, and I, I, I think I was feeding him spaghetti because I'd, I went in to run a bath because it was all over him. And so I start the bath, and I go back to get him, and I'm talking to him and stuff, and I totally forgot I was running a bath already. And so I'm sitting in there with him in our kitchen with, you know, the laminate flooring, and I got socks on, and I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, no, the bath! And I take off to run, and I went to turn into the hallway, and like, this part of my body turned, but this part of my body didn't turn, and I kind of like got sideways in the air and just hit the wall. Like, I mean, it was the, it was the dumbest thing, and my, it, my shins hit the edge of the doorway. It hurt so bad, I was bleeding. It, were mar- it scuffed up the wall, something terrible, but it was one of those where you're, you're hurt, and you're like, oh, but then you kind of start laughing because you know how dumb you had to have looked. So I'm like, oh, 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 ha, ha, oh, that was a good one, you know? And I thought, what? And of course, he's sitting there like, I was like, man, I wish you were older because you would really appreciate that. But, but that was like one of the most recent times I remember like falling totally hard, totally uncontrollably. And you know how much effort it took for me to fall? None. That's the weird thing. There's no area of your life where falling takes any effort. It's never purposeful. It's never intentional. And so that's the, the thing about falling in love is that falling in love is easy. The only requirement for falling in love is a pulse. That's it. That's the only thing you have to have that that totally qualifies you with all that you need to totally fall in love with somebody. Um, And we live in a world where it's never been easier to fall in love because we still have all the old-fashioned ways to fall in love, you know, like you actually physically meet someone and have an actual face-to-face conversation with them and learn that there's likes and dislikes and chemistry, and you go out on dates or something like that, and you say, hey, let's actually go and have dinner together in a romantic way. And so some of you, that's how you met. You were high school sweethearts, or maybe you, you like me and my wife, you met in college. Um, maybe the other way, there's, a, there's the blind date. Okay, that's face-to-face. Um, and maybe you didn't like fall in love on the blind date, but it got the ball rolling is what I'm talking about. This old face-to-face, there's lots of ways to meet somebody. That's how people have been doing it for centuries upon centuries. Um, but we live in a world that has added a whole other realm of ways to fall in love. There are, I, th- I couldn't find a great estimate, um, but I found two numbers that I'll th- toss at you. That I found that there are at least 1,500 to 2,500 online dating sites, 1,500 to 2,500, with the explicit goal of helping single people meet and fall in love, and they all promise fall in love. You know, there's a test, and we'll get you all these different sets of compatibility, and you'll find the love of your life, and and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Uh, I have a couple of friends that that's how they met. Now they're married and expecting a kid, and they've been married for a number of years now, and everything's going great for them, and so that's another way to fall in love, so, you know, that's happening. I think there's about over 40 million Americans, single Americans, that do online dating every single year. Um, and so there's the old-fashioned way, you meet face-to-face, there's the online dating route, and then just to be thorough, I have to submit to you, at least, 
the Christian contribution to falling in love, which is church camp. If you've ever been to church camp, you know about them camp relationships. And they don't last real long, right? But when they start, man, there's a lot of chemistry. There's something about church camp and fires and uh, singing songs of Jesus that just gets the hormones flowing for whatever reason. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not going to talk anymore about it. But there's a lot of different ways to fall in love. Falling in love is easy. It takes no effort. It takes no work. But staying in love is a different thing altogether. Staying in love is not easy at all. Staying in love is very, very, very hard. And when I say stay in love... What I mean are things like keeping the really hard part of the marriage vows, you know, forever, till death do us part. You know, I used to think as a kid, that's really weird, it's really romantic, why we gotta bring death into this? Like, can't we, like, that's not until we're both dead, you know, that's like so ominous, and I mean, we talk about it at Halloween, and we're all scared and spooked out by death, but in marriage vows, it's supposed to be romantic, but that's the real thing, we're in it for the long haul. This is uh, marriage vows, till death do us part, for richer, for poorer, in sickness or in health, so whether things are going great or in spite of things going bad, I got you and baby you got me that's what I mean by staying in love staying in love is something that everybody hopes for themselves we all hope to be that couple side by side in wheelchairs at the nursing home cafeteria holding hands you know they might be shaky hands but we're holding them because we're still in love right that's what we all really hope for but staying in love is very hard in fact though it's never been easier to fall in love I would almost say that it's never been harder, that it's never been harder to stay in love. It's never been easier to fall in love, but it's almost never been harder to stay in love. And there's several reasons I want to talk about real quick before we get too far into this. Reasons it's hard to stay in love. Um, One is that many people have never seen a healthy romantic relationship. Many, many people have never, ever glimpsed a healthy romantic relationship. And what I mean by that is not that you've never met a couple that had a good relationship. What I mean is very few people grew up watching or knowing a couple that was in a healthy relationship and seeing the behind the scenes stuff like the how did they handle conflict? How did they communicate? Because we all can act nice when we're out in public for the most part, okay? Some relationships break down to the part where people can't even be nice in public. But for the most part, We can all come to church and play nice. We can smile. We can sit together, put our arm around a spouse, and nobody would think anything about it, right? But And so if you have never seen anything healthy, but you see people kind of put on the nice show at church or in public, you might just think, well, that's just, there's nothing, There's that that doesn't continue at home. That doesn't continue behind closed doors. A lot of people, and the more I work with students anymore, the more I notice that many of them have never, ever seen anything resembling a healthy romantic relationship and so though they might know that the relationships around them aren't great there's nothing else there's no other pattern there's no other model and so they just kind of adopt what they've seen because that's all that they know a lot of people have never seen anything healthy and maybe you can even think of a couple and maybe you know couples like this they're married sure but you wouldn't say they've stayed in love they're surviving they're enduring They haven't filed any divorce papers, but they're more just roommates at this point. They're not terribly in love. And so you learn from what you've seen, and a lot of people just haven't seen healthy, romantic relationships over time. Uh, Andy Stanley gives a, a, I think, a funny list of the rules of life 
the golden rules of life that we learn from maybe some of the more dysfunctional relationships that we've seen. Um, do unto others as they have done to you. That's not what the Bible says, by the way. It says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But do unto others as they've done to you, so they've been mean, so you be mean back. They're rude, you be rude. Do unto others as your mood would have it. I'm not even mad at you, but I came home from work in a bad mood, so you're the target. I'm going to take it out on you. Or do unto others until you wear them down and get your way. We've all seen things like that. And because a lot of people have never seen a healthy relationship, there has never been a, a, a larger public skepticism about lifelong loving relationships. So many people are skeptical. So many people, more people now than ever believe that it is impossible to find somebody, fall in love, and stay in love for life until death do us part. In fact, now you even find uh, so many sociologists and anthropologists and celebrities really like to chime in because, you know, if they're famous because they can tell jokes or because they can act, then by golly, they need to inform every area of our life, right? They're, we need to let them be our beacon at the end of the trail. And so celebrities and more people will say now than ever that humans were not made for monogamy. Humans were not made to stay in love. We're just animals like everything else. And so marriage and lifelong love to one person is unnatural. And so the reason for our terrible marriages and the reason for the rising divorce rate, well, it's just because it's not. we're trying to... Do something that humans shouldn't have been forced to do in the first place. And once we throw off these religious shackles and let society be what society needs to be, we'll all be fine. That's what more and more people will say. So that's where things have gone. The second reason why it's hard to stay in love is that our society values passion over permanence. And you know this by watching any TV show you've ever seen, ever, especially if it's on the CW. Because every bit of relationships that you see, it's all about getting together, finding somebody, and the passion, and the attraction, and the chemistry, and oh, it's so special, and it's so spectacular. But they don't show what married life, what long-term married life is like. Why? Because it's boring. Nobody wants to see two people happily married communicate well. There's no drama there. It's not fun to watch. But when you only show the the passionate early stages of a relationship and nothing else, what that does is it gives us the illusion that all of the relationship should be that fiery and that exciting. And so when the emotions kind of die down because the emotions do die down, we think, oh, I'm not in love anymore. I haven't met the one. I need to get out of this relationship and go back out there and find the real one because this wasn't the right one the first time. But it's just not exciting to watch. Married people, we'd rather watch the passion and the excitement and the drama I mean, people getting together have chemistry and excitement. People who are staying together have chores and sweatpants and a Netflix show that they're trying to catch up on together if they can ever find the time. Like, it's just not the same. It's not as much fun to watch. And so our society values passion over permanence. And the third reason why this is a problem, it's hard to stay in love, is because it is easy to fall in love with the wrong person. As I said, falling in love takes no effort. There are no qualifiers. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to prove that you're ready to fall in love. You just have to be alive and breathing, and you can fall in love. And just because you meet somebody, and they're attractive, and they're dreamy, and they've got dimples, oh, and they've got uh, all the things you've ever wanted in a person, just because they have those things that are attractive does not mean that they have the mindset, the skills, 
the attitude or the morality of somebody that you would want to spend your life with. That doesn't make them qualified to stay in love just because they are qualified to fall in love. But even with maybe skepticism that people think it's impossible to stay in love, even with maybe evidence that humans aren't made for marriage, humans can't, we just can't stick it out, we just can't endure it, what I've still noticed, though, is that even though a lot of people think it's impossible, a lot of us still hope it's possible for us. That's why, that's why uh, romantic comedies are still a thing. That's why romance novels are still a thing. It's why we get drawn in by a good love story because it just captures us in ways we want that for ourselves. And even those of us who are skeptical, we still hope that it's possible. And most of us, we hope that it's possible for us. Even those of you who are already married, you would hope that in that marriage that you're in, you would hope that it is actually going to go the distance and you're going to have a lifelong, committed, loving relationship. We all hope that it's a thing even if it doesn't seem like it's incredibly possible. Well, let me just break that tension. It is possible. I believe wholeheartedly it is possible. But there's one thing that we have to know, one thing that we have got to understand above all others if you want to move from falling in love to staying in love. And it's not incredibly groundbreaking, but hopefully it's something that we can learn and grab onto and pay attention to. Falling in love and staying in love are two completely different things. That's where we get off track. We fall in love, and it's wonderful, and she's so cute, and he's so dreamy. And we just think, falling in love? Well, that didn't take any effort. That was so easy. It feels so great. That's just going to coast us through 80 more years. Let's just go. I mean, we act like it's sledding down a hill. I'm on the sled. Here we go. Woo! And it takes no effort whatsoever. I fell in love, so therefore I can now stay in love. But as I've said, falling in love takes no effort. But anybody who has been married for any amount of time, married people that have been married for more than 10, 15, 20 years, is marriage, does it take effort? Yes. Okay. That, that is not falling in love. Staying in love and falling in love, not the same thing. And at some point, you've got to transition from the falling part to the staying part. I mean, I fell, again, I've fallen into lots of things. But you can't fall through 80 years of marriage and, and everything be okay. That's not how it works. So to show you that these are two different things, we're going to do a Bible word study because I know how much you guys love it when I get into the Greek that the New Testament was written in. And you might say, oh, I hate it when he does this, not Greek. But it's very important, and I'll show you why it's very important that, this is, that we actually dive into this a little bit. Because whereas English, which is what I hope most of us speak, or at least a form of English, we might not all speak it the right way. I've been accused of that. Um, but whereas in English, we have one word for love. Well, I love you. I fell in love and I stay in love. Sounds like the same thing, right? We have one word for love. So it's easy to get that confused. In Greek, they have at least five words for love. They kind of break it down into categories. And it's so incredibly helpful for us to understand the difference between falling and staying in love. So here's the first one I want to show you today. Eros, love. Eros, love. It's where we get our English word erotic. It comes from that word. It is often used of sexual attraction, but it's not just that. It actually has a little bit more nuance than just sexual attraction. Eros love is actually a desire to possess and enjoy. I think this is what most of us equate with falling in love. Because when you are first attracted to somebody, it's not about, oh, I want to do, I want to love and sacrifice for that person for the rest of my life. No, it's I find them attractive. I think they're funny. 
I think they're cute. I think being around them is pleasurable. I get something from them. They are desirable for me to enjoy. That's what falling in love is. That's why it doesn't take any effort, because it's what they can give to you, what they can do for you, how they can make you feel. Eros, love. It is a desire to be with the person, not because you want to do the hard work of a relationship, but because you think they will make your life better. And this is why we get so caught up with cuteness. Uh, you know, at one point, my wife thought I was cute. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if she'd use that word to describe me anymore. I'm not offended by it. It's okay. Time has passed. Hair has gone. Beards have come. It's, I don't know if she would think this is cute. All right? But at one point, she thought I was cute. Okay, I'll take it. It was good for a time. I'm glad we got married before my hair fell out, but that is over. Okay, So it's, it's fine that that's what it started with, but it has to move beyond just what I could do for her or what she could do for me. Um, and so that what this means is if this is what Eros love is, if it's about what the other person can do for you, then that means our society's preoccupation with chemistry and excitement and the warm and fuzzies and our, and our society's over-obsession with sex, those aren't what will be the building blocks of a long and successful relationship. And our society is off base in that point because Eros love is not a lasting love. It is a feel-good love. And feelings come and feelings go. And guess what? You know how many times this word is used in the New Testament? Zero. Never once does God's word instruct us to love someone in this way. Never once. Never once. Every time in the New Testament we find the word love mentioned, it's a different one, but most of the time it's this one word that comes up over and over again. It describes the way God loves us, and it's a calling that how we should love other people in return. And it's this word, agape. If you're a Christian, you've, been, you've probably heard this before, agape. Um, there's a, that's the noun version. The uh, verb version is agapao. Okay? So either one of those words, they mean the same thing. But they mean a devotion to always do what is best for another. Agape is not what you can do for me, but what I can do for you. I sound like JFK up here. Ask not what your country can do for you. Yeah. I got really Brooklyn rather than JFK. Oh, well, that's okay. Can't win them all. Um, so, but, but anyway, that's the idea. It's a different idea. You're still with me, okay? Eros, what you do for me. Agape, what I can do for you. It's my devotion, devotion, commitment, what I can do for you. And Agape love is a love that requires effort. It is not easy, it is not always natural, but it is a love that is permanent because it is based on my decision to love others. Love through action, love through sacrifice, love through selflessness. Those are all defining traits of agape. Agape is others-focused devotion. And now, that's not to say that agape, there's not feelings there, okay? I don't want to make it sound like good Christian love is a cold and clinical procedure with no affection, and it's duty that you do for the rest of your life, and there's no... No, that's not it, okay? But, so I don't mean to just like, you can't just separate them off like that. So there's affection and there's care, but it, it's not just about feeling. It goes beyond that to action and caring and really doing what is best for the other person. And like I said, agape, is it's, it can be costly. Because if I'm concerned about Abby's well-being, sometimes that means I'm going to have to give up things I want because she, agape love, makes me put her above me, her needs above my needs. 
And if I really love her, if I'm really doing that, that means at times I'd be willing to suffer if it's for her good. Agape love really is meaningful and deep. And it's the word most often used to describe God's love for his people. John 3.16, most people know this, says, For God so loved the world, loved, agape, for God so loved the world that he gave. Agape leads to giving, always. Agape love is always a love of action, of giving out of oneself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is always this outward focus. Whereas Eros love is about a person being likable and enjoyable to you. Agape love doesn't have that restriction. Agape love loves even the unlikable. It loves even the unenjoyable. It is not dependent on the other person meeting all of your criteria and checking all the boxes that you want. Again, we see that in another example of God's love in Romans 5.8. But God showed his agape, his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst, whatever your worst moment is, God knew it before you did it. God knew your worst sin before you even sinned it. And he loved you anyway, and he sent Jesus to die for the worst in you. He didn't love you because you were awesome. He didn't love you because you met his criteria. You see, that's something that separates Christianity from every other religion on the face of the planet. Every other religion is you trying to pretty yourself up for God. It's you shining up your life, pretending you got your act together so God will look at you and go, all right, you can come into heaven. Christianity is the opposite. It is God looking at you in your mess and your disgusting sin, and he looks at you and he says, oh, you're such a mess, but I love you so much, I'm going to help you anyway. That's agape love. It is not dependent at all on the behavior of the other person. It's so others-focused. And agape love is just a higher caliber. It's a higher quality of love than the feeling side of things. Romantic comedies are nice, but it's fluff. It's fluff. Okay, most of, you, most of us, we're not going to meet because your high heel got stuck in a grate in the middle of the road and your, your man just dove you and swooped you out of the way right before the bus went by. That's not how most of us are going to meet. It makes you go, whoo, in a movie theater when you watch things like that, but it's not real life and it's fluff, okay? Agape love, though, on the other hand, isn't that deep down the way that you know you want to be loved? Don't you want someone who's going to love you when you're being a brat? I mean, am I the only one that's a brat sometimes? I mean, a bunch of liars. I, and I'm not the only one who's a brat. I know that. Someone's going to love me. I want somebody who's going to love me on my worst as on my best. I want somebody who's going to be there when I'm holding up my end of the bargain and when I'm not. I need some, a love that's going to be more consistent than me because I'm not always lovable and you're not always lovable. We want agape kind of love, and yet we end up chasing this eros fluffy, made of nothing, thin and flimsy type of love that doesn't last, it doesn't go the distance. You see, feelings love is inconsistent. My feelings are inconsistent. Agape love is consistent. Feelings uh, highly depend on how others are treating me. Agape love doesn't matter how they treat me. Agape, or feelings love, I think is confusing. You ever been confused by your feelings? I don't know what's going on, I'm just confused. Agape love provides extreme clarity to your life. I'll show you what I mean. Is your husband being a jerk? Agape love says, love him anyway. Is your wife being that drippy, annoying faucet from Proverbs? Love her anyway. That's what agape love says. It provides a lot of clarity. It's a, well, I'm not feeling in love. 
Doesn't matter. Agape love says, love them anyway. But they're not being nice to me today. That's okay. Agape love says, love them anyway. Agape love is so clear in its focus and in its mission for what you want to do in your life. And it's not only the love that God has for us, but it's the the love God calls us to have for other people, especially the ones we're going to tie ourselves to for life. Um, In Ephesians chapter 5, agape is the word Paul uses when he says, here's how husbands need to love their wives. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave. There's our connection again. Agape leads to giving. Agape leads to you pouring yourself out for someone else. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so the ultimate example for agape love for us is Christ. That's the example. And, you know, I don't know, sometimes I think we feel a disconnect between our faith and our everyday stuff. Your marriage and your relationship with Christ, I mean, they are tied together because the example that you have every day when you wake up, when you treat them a certain way through the day, when you guys get home from work or whatever, Everything about it is tied back to the example of Christ. He gave himself up because he is the pinnacle of agape love and what it means for us. And he calls us to have that love every single day, especially to the ones that we're going to tie ourselves to in marriage. And so although agape is what we want, we struggle to find it because we're chasing eros. We're chasing something lesser. And so to those that might be skeptical, to those that might be tired of looking around and seeing marriage after marriage fall apart. People stand up and make vows for life till death do us part and, and break those vows. And you might be starting to think that it's impossible to stay together. I think you're right if you're talking about Eros love. It isn't a love that lasts. It's warm and fuzzies. It might pop up here and there over the course of your life. But the love that lasts is agape. And at some point, if you want to live a life where you stay in love, go the distance. At some point, you're going to have to transition from eros to agape. Eros is almost always the way relationships start, but they don't last. So you've got to transition from one to the other. And I mean, it, again, agape love is not the natural thing. Okay, Eros love is natural and, and simple, and you don't have to do any work for it. Agape is going to take effort, and, it, and it's going to mean you sometimes do what you don't want to do, and you step back from your natural tendencies. I mean, good grief, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know, I say dumb things all the time. I mean, I stand up here and say things about my wife that you, after the service, go, you shouldn't have said that about your wife in a sermon. I know, I dumb things just fly out of my mouth sometimes. I say so many words in the course of a day, 45% of them are bound to be wrong, right? Do you know how often we probably get home and she wants to just smack me upside the head? And she doesn't, at least unless she smacked me so hard I don't remember, which is, I guess, possible. Um, you know, but, but love says, I don't do what I want to do all the time. Love says, what do you need? What is best? That's agape love. That's real love. And that's what's going to get you from falling in love to staying in love. And if you are married and things are rough and they're trouble and you feel like you're on the breaking point, let me try to just give you some hope today. 
The answer is following in the footsteps of Jesus because agape love is not only the love of staying power, it also has tremendous healing power. We are healed by the love of Christ, by the sacrifice and the forgiveness of Christ. All of those things are wrapped up in the beauty of agape love. There is hope for marriages even on the brink if you think there's no way forward. And let me say to those of you who are dating, maybe you're not dating, you hope to date, hope to get married, or those of you who are in the early years of marriage, I hope things work out for you. I hope you have a life of love together, but I just want to let you know, at some point you're going to have to acknowledge and make a choice to move from little tiny Eros love to the big, difficult love of agape. It's, it's can be difficult, but Eros love has a shelf life. That's why we've always talked about the seven-year itch. You ever heard of that? Seven-year itch, right? I remember grew up hearing that. Um, in the last few years, I've started to hear uh, something else called the three-year glitch. Okay, apparently Eros love, the shelf life is getting shorter, maybe. I don't know, but they're saying people get uh, unhappy in marriage a lot quicker than they used to. I don't know what the deal is with that, but, but if you hope to last a long time, you gotta, you gotta switch from one to the other. And the answer, as always, what we come back to over and over and over again here is following in the footsteps of Jesus because the love that he had for us is a monumental, st- sticking power. It is a huge, solid foundation, a selfless, serving, giving love that we call agape love. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for love. Not just the warm and fuzzy side of it, not just the the Valentine candy hearts and roses side of love, not just the romantic comedy side of love, but true love, a love that is solid, a love that is unshakable, a love that you have for us a love that you've modeled for us and proved to us by sending your son to die on a cross. Jesus held nothing back but gave everything of himself so that we might be saved while we were at our worst. And so, Father, as Christ loved us, may we love others, not just our spouse, but especially our spouse. And I just pray that if there's anyone in the room and they're feeling like their marriage is not in the best place, that you would provide healing and you would provide guidance that you might let both husband and wife model agape love and let the healing, transforming power that that walks in your footsteps to to take root in their marriage and to heal wounds. For those who aren't married, who are younger, who hope to date, hope to get married one day, I pray that you would help them to cling to this distinction between eros love and agape love and that they might realize that the warm and fuzzies don't last, but the solid love modeled for us in Jesus does. So thank you for this beautiful example. Thank you for the words of Paul that put the heavy, heavy responsibility on our shoulders to love as Christ loved the church. Because marriage is something beautiful. And so is agape love. And if we can model those two things together, then we model the love you have for us. And our marriage becomes a beacon of hope in a lost world for Christ. Thank you again for marriage. Thank you again for love. And thank you for our church. May we properly and continually love one another. We pray all this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.